You look at the process of like, you know, the isolation, the fire, her sewing this thing, obviously probably leaking magical fluids or whatever you want to call it into the thing itself. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just made you like, okay. We, we just discussed (laughs) that Abilene gave birth to Annie in this moment. And then you said the liquids of magic. What? Why? Why? Tell me why those are the words you chose. I apologize. Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 83. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hedge. New cards! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. So we're still in the, well, I think we're past the league point. Cards are actually coming out, or they have come out. We've been, play- we've been playing with them. Uh, but we're still going through, you know, some stories here, some bios here, um, some housekeeping here, uh, and it's up top. <laughs> you can listen to us everywhere, housekeeping. Um, you can send an email to us if you want to contact us, podcastcore at gmail.com. Visit us at podcastcore.com for all of our info, and then follow us on any platform you prefer or all the platforms because that helps with discoverability. Uh, go ahead and toss us a YouTube follow too. Why not? Um, but Leave us a like, comment, short review, telling us what you like about the episodes, which ones you like best, you know, the usual stuff. But the easiest way to spread the word is to tell a friend to let their inner flame shine bright by listening to the Casuals of Runeterra podcast. Yes, set your friends on fire. Wait, that's not what, that's not what I said. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> So if you haven't figured out yet, or by the title of the episode, (laughs) we're talking about Annie. Um, Firestarter is the name of this episode. It's a little reference for you readers out there. Um, So let's start. Let's just talk about it because we got a good bit. We got a little bit of extra content here, too, and some other things we want to talk about towards the end about, you know, more focused on Annie, the school she goes to, the other kids around her outside of her bio, et cetera. Uh, we won't go into all the cards because we want to save that for some story stuff, which, you know, we like to give you guys some, some story content here and there. So we'll save that for that. But we're going to talk about the spell. So Man, them, them casual boys sir, sure do love their lore. <laughs> we, we'll find any excuse to keep talking about it. <laughs> there, there will never be a final episode. <laughs> we're, we're just going to start writing our own fan fiction if we get to yeah, a point of final we're episode. We're start lying to you. <laughs> If we write it first, it's officially canon. <laughs> and then try to sue Riot. <laughs> All right. So the spell we're starting off with is one that was revealed when Annie was re- revealed, which is Disintegrate. So Disintegrate as a card is a two-cost fast spell that has pick a unit. The next time it takes damage this round, kill it. Um, <clears throat> so this is the equivalent of like marking a unit and then doing something to it, right? Unfortunately, when you have these type of abilities in card games, they're not great um, unless the following ability goes above and beyond because it requires follow-up, a follow-up action to actually do something. So you're spending two and then hopefully your follow-up action works and your opponent doesn't shake their way out of it. 
um, to essentially ditch away that two cost you paid. Uh, it could be fine as a one of in some decks that we're seeing these days uh, for big targets because you don't really have options to deal with them in any decks. So we may see it there. Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to keep seeing like a little bit of play because of the fact that it is in Noxus. So a lot of people are putting together that you can, you know, combine this with Blade's Edge. Yeah. And for the for the most things, it's going to be like three mana kill a unit. Yeah. But the bottom line is if you're building your deck to do that, that means you're two for one yourself. Yeah. Uh, so it... It is very much a fringe thing. Like uh, I think metas can uh, metas can really define whether this card's going to be good or not. Because if we transition to something that's like heavy with Swain, yeah, like Swain's got that big old dumpy, so it's a lot easier to just you know do this little two card combo to get rid of him. But yep. uh, it, it's a cool little card. But why why do we want to talk about it? Well, the quote. The quote on here is the important part. So the quote says, "Headmistress Telsey spoke at length." about the Noxian tenets, leaving the children before her increasingly bored and restless. But while most students largely contained their outburst, Annie acted, first with smoke, then with fire. Uh, yeah, she gets bored easily, and that's not good. You can't let her get bored. <laughs> uh, and if you're and if you're interested as far as with how smoke and fire come into play, just open up the card art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it has that childlike wonderment to it of her just goofing around with something that's very, very dangerous. Oh, yeah. So wonderfully dangerous and on someone's clothes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this takes us to our follower, which we chose for this one, the Prefect. Um, so the Prefect is a three-cost 1-3 one, three with Overwhelm that says when you play a fast spell, slow spell, or a skill – Grant me plus one plus zero. Now, from the card game aspect, it's neat, but this is also not that great of a card. Because once again, you're playing, you're paying a lot for it, like three for a one three that you have to then invest more into, uh, but can easily be removed is not that great. If you think about, I know we're thinking about like faded champions, where the faded champions all have stat lines and things that make them very difficult to deal with. So when you're building Voltron style or trying to pump them up in other ways, you get the benefit. But the prefect, the moment it starts to become a problem, they're going to get rid of it, right? And then your investments are gone. Um, this is kind of the same problem you're seeing currently with Annie is that you have to get things going with those styles of cards. Yeah, like, and this is also dependent on just, you know, the idea that the card's going to last. Yes. Uh, and the, you, if you were building around the idea that a card's going to last, you're just ignoring your opponent. You're assuming yeah. that your opponent's not going to interact with you, and that's not a healthy way to build cards or, or to build a deck. Um, I think, like, this card would be better if it was more like, um, I can't remember the name of the card for the life of me. I think it's something Reckoner, um, but it's that five drop that's a four, four, and it gets plus two, plus two for all the times that you've stunned or recalled units, Yeah. Um, which that it counts retroactively. Yes. You know, like when you play it, it it's going to count how many times you've done that and bam, you get the stats. Whereas this one, it's got to see it. 
Yeah. And that makes it, uh, we've all learned this with the Osuo decks, with the Faye Blade Twirler of just like, kill it. Kill the Faye Blade Twirler before it gets too big. <laughs> True. That's a great way to put it. And, you know, with this one, obviously we're here for a reason, is the quote. So the quote's from Headmistress Telsey, which we mentioned in the earlier card, which it says, many of the children are of an age where their natural inclinations lead them to rebellion to rebel against formal direction. Fortunate, then, that the eldest of them is both favored by the rest and malleable to our cause. If the students choose to ignore our lessons, then we will teach through her. Uh, and they're referring to the prefect, which in the art is really cool because Annie's in this art. And we know how Annie's always getting up to little hijinks here and there. So to see her facing off against the prefect just reinforces what the headmistress is saying here. Uh, but it's also great art because it, as we talk more about this in the next card I get into, you'll see that where Annie ends up in Noxus is kind of like a new mutant style school which is a kind of neat aside to have uh, because it fits very well with all the stuff of magic we've talked about up to this point. So timeline wise, when Hetch gets into like the main story stuff, you'll see where this falls between like the Vladimir blood magic, the black rose stuff, all that shenanigans um, that is Nox's consistently. Yeah, I, I couldn't say it better myself. So I'm just going to jump to the card that you've got. <laughs> so what, So we actually have a landmark this time. Tell us yep. about the landmark. Yeah. So as Hetch mentioned about the cards that have retroactive value, this is a great example of that. So Raven Bloom Conservatory, uh, we have as a one cost landmark that has countdown 10. And then it says, create a tie bulk in hand. I advance one round for each fast spell, slow spell, or skill you've played this game. So this is a card where it's good on one, it's good the rest of the game because your deck is doing these things, and the moment you play it later in the game, you get the effect. You know, I had just mentioned that things that count retroactively yeah. are really good. <laughs> uh, this is one of those things, yeah. and... Uh, not to mention that the payoff is the Tybalk, and the Tybalk is a 6-6 six, six with Overwhelm for 6 mm -hmm. mana, but the real reason to play it is when I'm summoned, grant allies everywhere, plus 1, plus 0 for the rest of the game, Yep. and all of your spells and skills deal 1 extra damage. So, like, the payoff is huge here, and so... Just that alone makes it worthwhile to play. And the fact that you're retroactively counting everything like this, this card is incredible. I am already trying to build horrible decks around it because I have a problem. <laughs> so we get a good quote here on this card, which is what we always care about, which is actually like a postmortem. Uh, we have by now word has or word has no doubt reached you of the Rosengard Academy's dismal failure. I expect you will learn from your sister's school's failings. I expect you will manage your facility in a manner that benefits the empire. And it's from a scorched letter found in the conservatory's rubble. Now, I don't know if when it says your sister's school, if it's referring to the headmistress that we mentioned, Telsey. I think this is a continuation of that through plot, plot and this letter is referencing another uh, Magi, witch, whatever you want to call them, that's starting up a school at another location. Yeah, like I, I definitely think it is like another startup because, I mean, it, 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 we're finding this letter in the remains 
yeah. of said place. Um, and then it doesn't really kind of, it doesn't really kind of fit to think that this is, you know, headmistress Telsey when we read yeah. like onto Tybalk here, because then it, we have the quote, which is, it burns in me, this dark presence, it whispers to me, fire, fire in the flames. I see its eyes black and unblinking, staring, smiling, urging me to step in, urging me to join the rest, silhouettes of the inferno reaching out, come home, come home. And the remains of a decrepit Nakmakarian diary. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think this is the headmistress. Or the school that Annie's at, because I think everybody went home to the fire. <laughs> well, you mean home? You like heaven, right? Like, <laughs> I mean somewhere. Uh, like, if, if we're going off of like the Christian heaven, I don't think they deal with fire there. I think they. <laughs> I think the Christians have a very different idea of fire in the afterlife. <laughs> so tell us about uh, Annie. Let's just get into it. The, the child, the fire starter. Yeah. So um, this was a lot of fun for me to go back and read on because I, I was telling Ryan before we got to recording that I didn't remember anything about Annie's lore. Um, yeah. And when we get into it, it will kind of make sense because it is very relatable to other stories. Uh, but it, we do get with this remake of her story, like some little points that are very important to us as far as on this show. And one of the things that's very important to keep talking about, uh, since we're, we are talking about a champion from Noxus, we've got to mention Borum dark will. Like we can't talk about Noxus without Borum dark will, because Borum dark will in his madness set up the noxus that we know today yeah and luckily we don't have to talk about him too much because the setting for this story is that we are following a lot of sorcerers sorceresses a lot of magic users fleeing the nation of noxus and it's because borm dark wills lost his mind for the pursuit of immortality yep and this means that he's going to try to contact like anyone that has any knowledge of magic to try to put it together. And there's no telling if you're going to make it out of that alive. So for the sake of our story, we're going to follow Gregory the Grey, who is a powerful sorcerer, and his wife, a witch by the name of Emmeline. So Gregory and Emmeline, they are fleeing Noxus, but all they do is flee the city. They are too proud as far as a family of well-renowned sorcerers yeah. um, within the nation of Noxus. They're too proud to actually full out leave Noxus. So what they do is they just flee into the into the forests beyond the Iron Spike Mountains. So they're heading north of the city of Noxus while still within its territory. And they're doing what is, um, you know... Uh, showing our age on the show a little bit. It's our dream, which is to flee all of civilization and ha build yourself a cabin out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, if only we could afford it. But <laughs> Gregory and Emmeline, they can afford it. So they are out in the mountains. They are able to build themselves a home out in the middle of nowhere. And the only things that we get mentioned here is that there are a lot of bears and a lot of wildlife in this forest. It's very dangerous, but they're able to set up their home 
before winter hits, and before Emmeline gives birth, because at this point she is very much pregnant. Yeah. And it is after building this new home for themselves and settling down for the winter that Emmeline, while sitting in front of the fireplace, is knitting a teddy bear for the daughter that she is about to give birth to. And she gives birth to Annie in front of a roaring fire while finishing this teddy bear that she is made for Annie. So we now have Annie entering the world in front of a fire with a teddy bear. If you know Annie from the League of Legends game, (laughs) these are all very symbolic things. So I want to mention that this setup, I mean, you have two powerful mages that are having a child you're immediately going to think this child's going to have latent abilities and then you look at the process of like you know the isolation the fire her sewing this thing obviously probably leaking magical fluids or whatever you want to call it into the thing itself like i'm sorry i'm sorry i just space you right now. like okay we we just discussed <laughs> that abilene gave birth to annie in this moment and then you said the liquids of magic what why why tell me why those are the words you chose i apologize <laughs> But it's the perfect setup. It's the perfect setup for a magic child. Like that this, is this is what you're that is get. officially the grossest teddy bear on the planet, <laughs> and it's because of your words. <laughs> oh my lord! But but yeah, like you, I think I think it is important to you know realize how powerful her parents are, uh, and then like with the further we get in the story, they're both kind of dumb. Yes, uh, and it's because neither of these parents are like yeah. Annie's going to have some latent abilities. No, they both just ignore it completely. Um, So let's talk about them ignoring this because we get to a point as far as the next milestone in Annie's life is when she was a toddler, uh, both her and Gregory become very sick. And so they're both running a fever. The fevers are getting dangerously high. There's a point where Emmeline comments that she couldn't hold Annie because she was too hot to the touch. Which is insane. <laughs> Which she's like, this is a normal fever. No, woman, your child has magical abilities because you're a witch and her father's a sorcerer. Don't be dumb. But unfortunately for our story here, and unfortunately for Annie, her mom is dumb. So she goes out to just try to fetch water to help gregory and annie with their fevers yeah and she never returns so what we end up uh, as far as this reveal that she never returns is that gregory wakes up he's still feeling a little you know under the weather but annie is totally fine yeah playing with her teddy bear but Emmeline's nowhere to be seen and it is from this point on that gregory is raising annie alone and would comment that Annie would sit in the on the front porch waiting for Emmeline to come home, despite the fact that it has now been years b- without seeing Emmeline. And every time that she would sit there waiting for her em- for her mom to come home, it he would remark that the fire would start roaring, 
and he wouldn't even remember starting the fire. And he's just like, oh, I didn't think I started a fire, but now it's really big and roaring. You know, this is just the stress of being a single dad. (laughs) Classic. By no means could this mean that my child has magical abilities. So the additional little tidbit here is this is the first layer of the ambiguity we have with Annie and something bad happening. Where did Annie do something to her mother because her father has no idea or did, you know, life take its course, right? Because they are in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, and we uh, at the beginning of the story, it's remarked how dangerous these forests are. Yeah, with wildlife and just like unknown dangers. So it's very easy to say that it's like Ameline did get lost in the forest. It's also very easy to say that you know she's a powerful witch. Ameline probably went and did her own thing. Yeah. Like we don't know a lot about her story, but th- the constant ignorance of how much fire is around Annie <laughs> with her two magic parents is just wild to me, all right? So Listen, it, Hatch, when you love to grill and you get yourself a brand new Traeger, there's going to be fire. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, so, yeah, like, it, it's wild to me. So, during this time, Gregory is just struggling to be a single dad. So, all Annie really has to herself is Tibbers. Yeah. So, she's cradling Tibbers, waiting for mom to come home. So, who ends up coming home? A young woman named Liana and mm. her daughter, Daisy. All right. So, Gregory finds new love. Gregory yeah. is now actively trying to move on from this you know this tragedy in his life yeah and annie is on board with it to a certain degree because daisy's about her age yeah and now being out in the middle of nowhere alone with dad and sad about mom is now replaced by having a playmate yeah and so Annie is on board, but Annie does have this, you know, very quick anger that erupts within her because she's been an only child. She hasn't had to share her things or anything like that. And this is something that is, you know, is central to every child growing up. We've all had to learn to share, but it is difficult for Annie because her new stepmom, Liana, is always choosing Daisy's side. Yeah. It, so it's kind of, you know, is skewed against Annie at this point, but it is a lesson that Annie has to learn. And the this all boils to a head when Daisy is out playing in the forest and catastrophe strikes. These forests are very dangerous. So something kills Daisy. We don't know what. Once again, we somehow do not know what. <laughs> and it could, and then once again, it could be anything. But definitely not this latent magical ability that is clearly welling up in this child born from two magic users. <laughs> All right. Now, that being said, with this catastrophe happening... Liana does blame Annie. Yeah. Uh, and we do know that it is out playing in the forest, and this is Annie's playmate. So it's like, hey, why didn't you 
why didn't you defend my child? Or yeah. why didn't you warn my child about where you were playing? You know this area better than Daisy. And the, the, through this grief and this very difficult time, Liana ends up taking it out on Annie. So now we've got like this evil stepmother yeah. situation. And Annie, for the most part, does kind of deal with it up until the point that in one of these, you know, tragic breakdowns that Liana's suffering, she takes Tibbers away from Annie. So this doll that was sewn by a powerful witch <laughs> given to powerful witch's daughter covered in magic juices. Oh, come on. Is taken from this child that randomly has fire appear around her at all times and has clearly been showing issues with sharing. It's and it, this is also important because it says, you know, she takes out her grief on Tibbers as well. So we now know just from, you know, what we know in the game, you see Tibbers is physically kind of tattered um, in the game that we know it. We now know who fucked up Tibbers as like the bear form, the small little teddy bear form. It was most likely the stepmother who was taking that kind of rage out on the doll. Yep. Uh, and just to tell you what happens at this point, I'm <laughs> just going to read it verbatim. So Annie was horrified as the last physical memory of her mother was threatened. The girl's terror grew to an unbridled rage, releasing her latent and powerful pyromancy and the stuffed bear was brought to life in a maelstrom of protective fire. When the flames died down and the swirl of ash settled, Annie was left orphaned and alone. So, yeah, <laughs> it turns out that this child, born of powerful mages, <laughs> who is randomly, constantly surrounded by fire, has a very powerful relationship with pyromancy. <laughs> Who would have thunk? No, 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 Hatch. The most important part here is the statement, orphaned, because we're in Noxus. <laughs> and we know all good stories involve orphans. Yeah, it, you know, let's, let's give Riot their due here. Thank God we didn't have the opening line, orphan on the street. No. <laughs> No, Annie had to work to get there, all right? <laughs> Annie had to put in the work. It's one thing. We never give them their credit. I think, and obviously, listeners, we've done a lot of episodes. Correct us if we're wrong. I don't think we've done amnesia yet. I'll give them that. I think we've we, done, That's true. I don't think we've done amnesia we've yet. We've done um, orphaned a good bit, and we'll continue to rag on them for that. But we haven't done amnesia. So until then, still, top scores. Top scores. <laughs> Top scores all around. Um, and from this point, like the story kind of like, you know, wraps up for Annie because yeah. we we get to a point where Annie is alone, but she is now under the assumption that people from the city of Noxus are all like Liana. Yes. Who is this woman that threatened Tibbers. So she got burned alive. Mm -hmm. So Annie's like, I'm not dealing with that. So she just wanders throughout the forests that she calls her home and she continues wandering throughout these forests only meeting up with people 
out in the wilderness. So, you know, mountain folk like her parents. Yeah. And would only stay with them long enough to get, you know, some new clothes and a hot meal and then go out and wander the wilderness again. Um, and she does this completely oblivious of the danger that she's in while also being completely oblivious to the protection that she has. Yeah. So all the stuff that's dangerous out there and can kill her. Yeah. Technically it can kill a small child, but it's all way too terrified of her because yep. they can sense how much magic is just swirling around her at all times. And she is kept safe by Tibbers. She wanders the forest of Noxus, hoping one day to find someone who she can play with. And that's where her bio kind of ends. We don't get a look into her school life at this point of the story. This is just how she starts. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's one of those cases of her age. Like, it'll be very interesting. So we don't know, like, with the Arcane series, how they're going to handle age moving forward. So we have the time jump in Arcane and stuff like that. So we get to see the characters grow up and change. But with a character like Annie, who is one of the younger characters in the cast, because of her oblivious, obliviousness, because of her age, but her insane amount of power and being in Noxus, it would be very interesting to see what she's like as a teenager. Um, because a lot of her experiences now are almost like a child with a rocket launcher, right? She doesn't know rocket launchers are dangerous. She doesn't know how powerful they are and what they can cause. Um, but she sees it as a toy and that's a problem, right? So yeah. when she if learns I pull, responsibility, if I, pull this, yeah. if I pull this trigger, really fun sounds happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that would be a neat concept, um, to kind of get some insight into down the line, hopefully. Yeah, it would be fun, but we this wouldn't be complete until we talk about the card. Yep. And um, the the card has been live only for about like a week, yeah. two weeks now. Um, At the time of recording. Yeah. Reveal when we're recording this, but uh, it is a menace to society in, in a lot of regards. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's they, I think they did a really good job as far as the design with it. So we've got Annie, a one mana, zero two all right so a one mana zero two and she has a attack skill so when i attack i deal two damage to my blocker if it's dead or gone i deal two damage to the enemy nexus instead and her level up condition is i have seen you play six plus fast spells slow spells or uh, uh, skills, so uh, you know the attack skills similar to like the Jin level up condition. Um, unlike Jin, uh, she has to see it. But uh, I, I think like the what we've been seeing as far as with this card is that most of the really good anti decks you're not playing to level her up. You're you're playing because it's there's no one drop in the game that can trade with it on the attack. You're doing this for face damage, but her level up is so much fun. All right. So we've got uh, her becoming a one mana one three. Uh, now the attack portion is I deal three damage to my blocker and stun it. Yeah. So if they block with something that can survive that three damage, 
it's still not going to hit Annie. There's no trading with Annie in combat if she's attacking. Yeah. Um, and then if it's dead or gone, I deal three damage to the enemy nexus instead. But when I level up, create Tibbers in hand. And Tibbers is a six mana, five, five with fearsome. On the play, stun an enemy, then deal two damage to all stunned or damaged enemies. So if you are trying to build a deck around playing, like leveling up Annie, the Tibbers drop can be a lot of fun, but it really is a thing of like both sides of Annie's cards are so different from each other that it really makes a lot of fun deck building puzzles like do you want to play to try to level up annie because then like if you're trying to do that that's much more of a control style of play where the payoff is more the play condition of tibbers and not tibbers itself and then the aggro style of play is like yeah like she's very aggressive no one drop can trade with her but you're not going to level her up you already know you're not going to level up you're just trying to take 20 hp down to zero so it's this is really cool design just as far as deck building solely. Yeah, they nailed it. They took a lot of things from other champs they've done in the past on how she interacts, uh, making her unique to herself and then embodying embodying the card very well. Uh, but the greatest thing about these cards is there there are a lot of cards that add, you know, good flavor to the world with their quotes. But this one actually has information that we're looking for. From, as Hetch mentioned during the story, like we don't know a lot about Amelin, right? We don't know a lot about a lot of things, but these cards actually tell us. <laughs> yep. So, so let's dive into that real yeah. quick because they, the, the quotes are like, there's a lot of information here. So on the front side, we've got over a decade ago, Ameline Kyosar fled the Ravenbloom Conservatory with an invaluable and incandescent asset in her control. Ravenbloom scouts searched for her in every corner of the Empire, but none of the rumors they heard led them to Ameline. And so, years later, when news arrived of a lost girl burning with rage in the northern Iron Spike Mountains, Finn Retrick reluctantly gathered his things and left to investigate. He expected to find nothing. How wrong he was. <laughs> um, I, I just love, too, that, like, her parents were so ignorant of her abilities that it borderlines on frustrating. Yeah. And then even after that, it's like you are going to investigate rumors of people just getting set on fire. And you're like, <laughs> I'm not going to find anything. <laughs> Why are people just so ignorant of Annie? It blows my mind. Um, but then we get to the other side of her card. And it's a direct quote from a letter that Finn Retrick wrote. I found her. She's Ameline's, no doubt. Same eyes, same giggle. I'll bring her back within the fortnight. Having spoken to the girl, I ask that you be kind to her. I believe there's good in there, along with the dark. Uh, so at the very least, you know, Finn Retrick kind of figures <laughs> out, hey, I shouldn't be this ignorant about Annie. Yeah. There's something going on here. But... That we now kind of have like some answers as far as like with Ameline and why she wanted to flee Noxus. Yep. Because in the bio, all we've got is that, you know, Borm Darkwills lost his damn mind. But Ameline, Ameline did something. Yeah. We just don't know what. And the fact that we now know Gregory is also probably ignorant of Ameline's past 
right? He probably didn't know her when she was in the conservatory, but I just met her afterwards and didn't know what her what she was doing then and what she was up to. You know, there's a possibility, like we see this in a lot of movies with possessions, right? Where somebody's possessed by something due to a circumstance where they got involved in something they weren't supposed to. And now her disappearance still has that mystique of it to, okay, wait, was it Annie? Or did she, you know, lose her mind and wander off into the wilderness? Is she still alive? She's done this before where she's run away. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of storytelling where it's like, okay, now this is getting juicier. And and speaking of getting juicier, like one of the reasons that we're taking so much time with this is that like there's a lot of questions around Annie. And these cards give us a lot of information. So when we look at Tibbers. Yep. Um, so the t- the quote on Tibbers is the demon Tybalk had infested the minds of countless victims over the centuries. Slowly, inexorably, he would lead them to the fire and watch his flames feast on scorched flesh. But in young Annie, Tybalk found a will completely indomitable and a talent for magic that rivaled even his own. Yep. So we know that Tybalk now is like a demon yep. that has been around for a long time. We know that Tybalk took pleasure in basically eating on the followers of that he would create because he would enthrall them and to a point until they came home. But Annie is strong enough to kind of, you know, compete with him while also being Annie, completely oblivious to the danger that she's in, completely oblivious to the fact that this is a demon trying to consume her. She just wants to play. It's crazy what you can do when your parents are magic wielders. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, if you're listening to this and, like, you've got some secrets into the magic world, like, you know, somehow all this crap is real, all right? And you find someone that, you know, this crap is real for them too, and y'all have a kid, <laughs> just check them out. Just check them out. It's as easy as that. Have you ever seen that Planned Parenthood? I think it's Planned Parenthood, like, advertisement from back in the day that said one plus one equals three. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. This reminds me of that. And forgive me if I have the wrong, like, if it's the wrong thing. But because, like, one magic user plus one magic user gives you three times the power is the way I look at it. And that, that kind of enforces what we're seeing here. But... Like we mentioned at the beginning with these cards, this is like those three stories on those cards alone are their own excerpt, right? Like, oh, yeah. This is one of those stories. We always compliment uh, Riot's writing on a lot of this stuff. And for Annie, she's an you know, original character, OG. She's had a bit of changes over the past. But the way this story is handled, it's very simple to start off. And the more, the deeper you go, and then it leaves you off. And then we pick up with these cards, because Legend of Runeterra comes out a decade later, that then pushes you further down that path. And we still have a story for you guys at some point. So there's a lot more here where we're not saying Annie's a bad story. It's just give it time to breathe. And it gets really good. Oh, yeah. And, like, th- this is one of those things where, you know, for Ryan and I, we- we've given this a lot of time to breathe. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> like, like th- one of the reasons this has been so enjoyable for me is because it was a very standard, you know, ripoff of Stephen King yep. in the beginning. And now it's really, you know, it's growing into a story of 
all its own and it's growing into something that I want to know more about. Yeah. Like that's really as fans of lore, that's all we can ask for. If we if they, you give us something that we want to dive deeper into, yeah. that's a win. And this is nothing but wins coming out of Riot's corner when it comes to Annie and the cards they dropped for her. Yeah, I'm definitely hoping for this to kind of go. So, you know, when I talked about um, Annie getting older, because if you look at the art, go look at the art of these cards, by the way, because in the art for Annie, it's a lot of shots of her at the conservatory with these other kids who have their own abilities. And some of them are cards now, which we'll talk about in later episodes. But it's cool because I definitely think we get like a new mutant style, you know, conservatory gets blown up, the whole Noxus classic, you know, unstableness of everything. And these kids go out to start their own thing because a lot of them have their own mischievous backgrounds and their own behaviors that line up with Annie. And as we remember, Annie's just looking for people like her and friends because she's a toddler, right? Um, she's young, she's a young kid who just wants to find somewhere to belong. So finding these other kids who are also looking for that same thing, there's something there. You get you you get your you get your new mutant story for free, right? <laughs> and if you contact us at podcastcore at gmail.com, we <laughs> we're more than willing to help, you know, flesh out the details. We we got this. Yeah. So this has been a long one. So thanks for sticking around if you're still here. Uh and as always, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with the next episode. Take care, everybody.